Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 76 of Histories of the Unexpected, the show in which we demonstrate how everything, and I mean simply everything, has a history, like sleeves, the wave. Do we mean like a wave in the sea or a, or a gesture? Ooh, either, either. either. Okay. It's open. Hmm. And heat. Or black and white, red, white and blue, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo and violet. The, the colours of the rainbow. Ah, do you see what, I, see I what do. I've done there? Yeah, I wonder who first wrote those down. You don't know. I would, yep. And there's also a person who first saw the rainbow and the refraction of light, James. Exactly, exactly. And the first person who painted the rainbow, the first person who found a pot of gold under the rainbow. The difference of rainbows in cities and in the country. And of course, we'll be following these links in our minds as we come across them, explaining how those histories link together in unexpected ways. We will uncover everything about rainbows. But who knew, Sam, who knew that the history of shrinking is all about Renaissance miniatures, pocket-sized gadgets, secret messages, micro-writing, and Latin American drugs gangs. Oh, oh and head shrinking. Oh, and it, ship plans, but thing. you didn't know that. It's all I about didn't. ship plans. I didn't. No. Or that the history of soup, the history of soup, <laughs> is that. in fact all about bathing. Is it? People bathed in soup. I can't wait to do that. Historically, it's about uber fog. So it's about the worst kind of fog that you could imagine. It's about a real pea super. It's about dangerous explorations. Oh, and it's about the ultimate recipe for French onion soup. Okay, but we're not doing soup or rainbows today, but I want not to do today. them desperately yes. now. Anyway, um, well, I'll tell you what we're doing in a minute. The man sitting opposite me is the queen of the Stone Age himself. <laughs> It's Professor Extraordinaire of Early Modern British History at Plymouth University. It's James Dable. Why am I, hello, but why am I a queen of the Stone Age? It's a very Bodicea or something, or something, slightly later. But And the man sitting opposite me is the Admiral of the Archives. It is the truly wonderful, famous historical adventurer, Dr. Sam Willis. Hello, Sam. Hello, James. Um, so each week we come up with a crazy topic and try and talk about it. Now, this week, inspired by... Um, doing our podcast on the history of pockets, which I think you should all listen to. Um, it was the snowy day. The beast from the east was here. And our kids came into my shed. Your kids came yeah, in. My kids, kids and the beast from the east. Yes. He, he was outside. The yes. kids came in and um, we went through our pockets. We talked about what people used to keep in their pockets. It was really yes. cool. Anyway, so it inspired us to do the history of childhood. Exactly. Um, which, which is great, isn't it? I love it. I love it. I have a thought piece for you. You know quite a lot about this, don't you? I do. I do. In fact, I teach a whole module on the family, sex and society mm. in the early modern period. And so childhood is one of those things that I I know something about. Okay. Yes. Unlike most of the other things that we talk about, which I know nothing about. <laughs> yeah, me too. Whereas this, I, I'm... But I, I don't know which is worse, whether it's whether it's worse... You know, knowing a lot about something and then trying to talk about it in a, I think that's a sort worse. of general way. It is worse, isn't it? Yeah, because you don't, I, because you're relying on previous knowledge. Whereas if you're doing stuff more or less off the top of your head, you're you're exactly. thinking more creatively. Exactly. But I have for you, uh, just to get us going, just yeah. to get us in the mood. I have some poetry 
I know you love love a bit of poetry. I love a bit of poetry. Ben Johnson's Epigram Forty Five, yeah, which is on my first son, which is a it, it's a really tender poem written when his son son dies. Mm-hmm. Farewell. Thou Give us, ch- gives a date. Uh, I haven't got the date, Rough but it's roughly 17th century. Thank you. Okay. So Ben Johnson is a playwright, poet, sort of contemporary of Shakespeare. Yep. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, he writes court masks uh, with Inigo Jones, the famous architect yep, yep. throughout the Jacobean period. Farewell, thou child of my right hand and joy. My sin was too much hope of thee, loved boy. Seven years thou wert lent to me, and I thee pay, exacted by thy fate on the just day. Oh, could I lose all father now, for why will man lament the state he should envy? To have so soon scaped worlds and flesh's rage, and if no other misery yet age, rest in soft peace, and asked, say, here doth lie Ben Jonson, his best piece of poetry, for whose sake henceforth all his vows be such, and what he loves may never like too much." So it's, I mean, I can't read that without a sort of shiver yeah. going down my, no, it's my spine. Yeah. So it's about, so several things that come to mind here. One is about the, if we're thinking about childhood, one is about the, the nature of childhood, the value that parents put on children, the, 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 the nature of feelings yep. between you know, parents and children and historians. As opposed to per- adults and adults. As opposed to adults and adults. Or adults and teenagers. Yeah. Or, yeah. And, you know, whether there is affection within the family and certain, certain historians have argued that maybe there was, maybe there wasn't. Yeah, in different but periods, in different locations. In different locations. periods, in different locations. Oh. But also the kinds of, as, as something that we're always interested in, is the kinds of historical sources that you can yeah. study to unpack particular histories. And here we've got creative literature. So okay. we've got poetry. Yeah. And you this know, is being able to identify the love between a parent and yeah, a child yeah. in historical sources. Yeah. And maybe with a poet, what you've got is somebody who is more sensitised, more sensitive to their inner emotions mm. than, say, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, just an, an ordinary dad. Yeah. Um, and there's art, which I'll be talking about later, yeah. and song and all sorts of things. But I should think in diaries as well, people oh, writing about I mean, the there's... loss of kids, the birth of kids, yeah. um, their yeah. um, sort of re- recent yeah. achievements, things like that. Yeah. Hmm. Where do you want to take us with with childhood? I'm generally going to be talking about games, games, or oh, different types of games, games. because um, I yes, I love them. I'm going to show you a video first, okay? <clears throat> which will uh, where uh, would people give, find this video? Um, they're nowhere. It's on my nowhere. phone. I'm just oh. gonna, I'm going to show it to you. It's a very private one. Mm. Oh. Um there we are. So this is it's my son doing a card trick for my dad. Ah, okay. Um, Whoa! <laughs> so what ha- what he did here was he said to his grandfather, "Look, I watch this. I want you to keep your eye on the Queen of Diamonds." He then flicked it with his finger, and it changed into the Queen of Hearts. Yeah, it, it's um, yeah, it's called a switch change. Actually, it's, a, change. It's, it's one of one of the sort of early card manipulation things that you can learn. And then um, you hold it between you hold one card between well, you, hold, you actually hold two cards between finger, uh, forefinger, and thumb. And you, you more or less flick your fingers, and you can you can make them one vanish and turn into yeah. the other. Now that's um so that was like a really big moment in our lives. Yeah. We play a lot of cards, and I'm going to be talking about um, childhood games, particularly in the Tudor period. Um, but I want to start by talking about uh, my memories of games because um, there's an interesting point here. 
One of the games I'm most interested in is a game called Three Card Monty. This is a variation on it, and it's the first card trick that I saw that made me think, how do you do that? Because it was clear that I was being tricked. You have demon cards. I, I do. They're just they're, yes. these are these are from a racing demon pack. We play a lot of a lot of cards at home. So there are three cards here. You've got to follow this one. So that is the Ace of Spades. Okay, it's at the they're, far right. That's a song, isn't it? The, the Ace, Ace of Spades. Spades. It is. So the first thing I'm going to do. Yes, I'll, I'll tell you the story. I'm so following. This you. guy taught me how to do it. He said, "Yes, right." First thing you can do, you've got to follow the Ace of Spades. So okay? it's on the top. It's on the top, right. So the first thing we can do is we're going to put that on the bottom. So he said to me, where is the Ace of Spades? And I said, well, quite clearly, it's on the bottom. And he yep, said, it's... no, that's the Joker. Yes. You owe me a pound. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is not a good It's kind. Yeah. So I said, okay, if it's not on the bottom, maybe it's back on the top. And he said, no. That's the Joker. You owe me two pounds. And I said, oh, this is completely ridiculous. It's got to be in the middle. He said, no. That's, That's the, the Joker. Joker. <laughs> you owe me three pounds. And I Brilliant. said, you're such a clever magician. You've, you've made it vanish. And he yes. said, no, it's there. It's there. Okay. It's on the bottom. Yes. How are you doing you, this? You owe this, me... is, this is witchcraft. <laughs> you owe me four pounds. And he said, I'll tell you what, you're doing so bad at finding the Ace of Spades. I'll give you a trick. I, I want you to find one of the two Jokers. And I said, look, if the Ace of Spades is on the bottom, then it's got to be on the top. And he said, no, that's the Ace. And I said, oh, then he said, right, you owe me five pounds. I said, this is ridiculous. <laughs> it's got to be in the middle. And he said, no, that's the ace of spades. And I said, right, <laughs> I, give, I give up on this. You haven't got three cards. And he said, here they are. One, two, three. You owe me seven pounds. I said, oh, come on. Then he said, I'll tell you what, because I like you, which is a classic magician's thing. I'm going to give you a chance of winning it all back. Okay. So what I want to do is tell me what card. That's the joker there. That's the ace of spades there. Tell me what that card is. That is a joker. It's it's not. <laughs> it's a jack of diamonds. <laughs> yeah, which you haven't seen. No, it's no, I haven't seen. No. Ooh, you card sharp. You completely straight up magic. Anyway, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful trick, and I've always been super fascinated by that. And then there's the um the other one where they 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 move them around like this. So your job here is to follow. Let's just do that. So if you can follow the joker. Yeah. Do it there. All you got to do is follow the joker. It goes yep. down. Right? Yeah. Yep. Oh, the Joker. I didn't see the Joker. I was following the ace. Okay. Follow the Joker. There you are. It's the bottom one, so it just okay, goes down like one. that. Yep, da, yep. Da. And you can move it around. Yep, there. Very good. Oh, how did I get... Oh. Now you were following the Joker. That's right. right. That's what you're trying to do. So, same again. Yep. Joker's on the bottom. Yep. Okay. That. Very good. Okay. <laughs> there. No. Oh! <laughs> How did I get that? I don't know. <laughs> okay, ready? That. Yeah, very good. Anyway, so that's the, the, um, has, that's the has big eagle con. eyes. He does have eagle eyes. I'm not going to do it again. I'm on a winning streak. <laughs> right, you owe me five pounds for I that. do. I got all the money back from the other one. <laughs> It's That's an amazing clever. card uh, when trick. We're, when we're offline, yeah. you'll have to tell me how it's done. So basically, you have well, the idea is you have two jokers and an ace, and James has to follow the ace, and then he gets it wrong six times in a row, and then right at the end, you actually show that one of the cards is, a, not, ja is, is a, a jack of diamonds. Right. And are they so they're they're you don't change the cards. There's no. It's just all about clever yeah. finger work. Kind of clever. Work Which you did very, very awesome. well, because I didn't. you completely fooled me. Yeah, you thought you got it at the beginning. Paul Daniels, eat your heart out. Paul Daniels. <laughs> so um, what I love about that is, is I think, is a, is, for me, it's a moment in childhood when you understand that 
there is deception and that there can that you know magic doesn't exist because you're, you're given these yes. as well at the end you can see there are only three cards and you usually do it with these sleeves rolled up because yeah. you actually do it with yeah, three yeah, yeah. cards yeah and um so for me that that's kind of a, always been a big moment in my life and i think my my kids are starting to realize that as well but it's also really linked with this kind of adult relationship with innocence as well it's not yeah. just about kids so yeah. it's about in that respect, you've got an adult showing a child who's not seen it before. But then you've got a kind of a parallel story of adults showing other adults who've never seen it before the same sort of thing. It doesn't happen now because you can go onto YouTube and see how all of this stuff's done. Um, before, people used to kick people out of the magic circle for, for revealing yeah. how tricks yeah. were done. But there were some areas in the world where particularly kids and very innocent adults were conned almost all the time regularly people made hundreds of thousands of pounds in the 1840s 1850s particularly the river boats mississippi right. river boats right. traveling things and also the union pacific railway card sharps card sharps so for me this the, the history of childhood is actually it kind of really it's it's to do with the history of innocence it's to do with mm. the history of sort of understanding cons understanding manipulation and, and thinking about magic it's quite mm. complicated anyway and Very if you good. if you look into this history there are a couple of amazing um a very famous con men with brilliant names. There's Canada Bill Jones from 18 to, 1820 to 1877. And he was known as one of the sort of most well-known card sharps on the Mississippi riverboats. And he made $240,000, moved on to the Union Pacific Railway. And then um, when he finally died, his fun- he died in Chicago. His funeral was paid for by all of his gambling mates in Chicago. And as they were lowering his coffin into the ground one of them said i'll bet you a thousand bucks he's not in the box (laughs) (laughs) but tellingly no one took him up on the bet because he'd got out of tighter spots than that before (laughs) big tighter spots than being dead um and then another a very famous guy called soapy smith soapy smith who died in 1898 um famous con man who who they hung out around um gold rush people particularly so he was known to be hanging around the klondike gold rush people who'd made all their money and there was money around he'd fleece it from them so um for me, I think that there's a fa- I'm going to talk more about games, but um, it's to do with the sort of transition between innocence and awareness of the world around you and yep. and being tricked, which I think adults Very can understand good. as much as children can understand. Very good. Mm-hmm. Very good. So, I mean, if I were to think about games, and I know you're going to talk a little bit about it, but I mean, I am kind of interested in the kind of games and play that children engaged in. And and if we think about that, how we reconstruct that, we can reconstruct that from all kinds of sources. If you look at literary sources, you can see descriptions of what children did. Um, we've got archaeological remains, we've got pictures, all those kinds of things, you know, that kind of recreate this. You look at the V&A, the Victorian Albert Museum's history of childhood, and it is simply just full of all kinds of dolls houses and all kinds of games across across time yeah uh so that that's absolutely fascinating i think one of the things that's difficult if i want to talk a little bit about sources and then talk about accidents um one of the difficult things about childhood is actually certainly for earlier periods pre say 18th century it's really difficult to write childhood the history of childhood from a child's perspective because you've always got these kind of sources outside that are either preaching to children so they're religious sources, or you've got educational tracts that say how you should bring up children, yeah. um, or you've got parents recording children. But it's so rare to get children's actual words yeah. themselves. One of the best categories of documents, and I know we've both worked on this recently, um, is coroner's records mm, yeah, yeah. and accidents. Yeah. 
And there's a brilliant project at, at Oxford. Brilliant it, project it's, at Oxford. It's such good reading. <laughs> Steve Gunn is in charge at, at Merton College, Oxford, is in charge of a massive um, project uh, to look at accidental death across the Tudor period. And he's uncovered, you know, brilliant, brilliant stuff. Um, and in fact, coroner's records, which record strange and unusual deaths. So the coroner goes in, investigates it. You've got the, the description of the death and then all kinds of incidental information around it. So you can piece together. If you look at child, child childhood deaths, you can then piece together all sorts of um, contextual detail about children's lives. Where did these accidents take place? Were they in the home? Were they in the workplace? Did they accompany children? Did they accompany parents to work? All that kind of thing. You can look at, you know, you can compare girls and, and boys. Um, and so you can get a really detailed idea, not only of their day-to-day -day life, but also you can reconstruct their play. Yeah. There's a really, really sad account. Uh, and this is probably one of the big finds of this of this project which was a coroner's record for 1569, one Jane Shakespeare um, drowned while picking marigolds near Upton Warren, which is close to Shakespeare's right. hometown of Stratford. Yep. And they speculate, the project speculates that this may in fact be um, Ooh, one I know of, what one of the say. sources for Ophelia yes. in Hamlet. Yeah, I just um, got there before you. Yes. But also, I mean, I think accidents are brilliant. And um, one of the best, I think accidents are brilliant. You can't really say that, can you? But you know what I, you <laughs> know what I mean? Childhood accidents Childhood <laughs> accidents are brilliant for historians to recreate the world of play. Yeah. And, and you know, this is a kind of world pre-health and safety. Uh, there is a brilliant diary by John Dee. John Dee is the English mathematician, astronomer, astrologer, a cult philosopher, advisor to uh, Queen Elizabeth I. We talked about him in Mirrors, didn't we? We did talk about him in Mirrors, he yes. He saw, saw spirits in Mirrors. Yes, yeah. yes. Look at our History of Mirrors podcast. He's a yes. great person, John Dee. So we've ha we have his, his diary that survives, and he describes in it... Um, he seems to have been around a lot around the household, and he describes all the numerous accidents that his children uh, have got into. And I'll just read you a few. Um, on the 3rd of July, 1582, at a quarter past 12, Arthur D. fell from the top of the Watergate stairs down to the foot from the top and cut his forehead to the right eyebrow. Um, on New Year's Day, uh, 1588, um, about nine of the clock afternoon, Michael, going childishly with a large, sharp stick of eight inches long and a little wax candle light at the top of it, did fall upon the plain boards in Mary's chamber, and the sharp point of the stick entered through the lid of his left eye towards the corner next the nose, and so pierced through, insomuch a great abundance of blood came out under the lid in the very corner of the said eye. The hole on the outside is not bigger than a pin's head. It was anointed with St John's oil. The boy slept well. Uh, and it goes on. Um, there's another accidental daughter. Uh, 21st of May, 1589. Catherine, by a blow on the ear given by her mother, did bleed at the nose very much, which did stay for an hour and more after she did walk into town with the nurse. So basically, her mother has sort of slapped <laughs> her so hard, she's made her Burst bleed. Her eardrum. And this has to be my favourite. Um, on the 27th of June, 1591, Arthur, wounded on his head by his own wanton throwing of a brickbat, upright and not well avoiding the fall of it again <laughs> <laughs> the, the brick weighed 21 pounds <laughs> 
he's just hurled it up in the air he's, and it's he's him. hurled it up and it and it's clunk, and it's clunked him. So I mean, this is this is an example of how you know, read creatively, you can. I mean, you can do all sorts of things with that. You yeah. know, and you get a sense of accident-prone children, but also the kinds of sort of silly, wanton things that that children did. But it makes it all come alive and so, seem so real. Yes, doesn't it? Absolutely. But I should think there are some fairly massive traps there that you don't want to be falling into. Yes, because yes. the moment, as a historian, the moment you're seeing parallels with the modern world, um, it's it's very easy to assume that everything was the same, and actually, yeah, yeah. you know the. It's it is a it's a it's a it's a crazy world the past yeah. and even when you see things like that it should I suppose like it's just done in my mind it should fire off alarms in your head not to get too carried away yeah. by by seeing parallels yeah. with the past and the present. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Bye. But Absolutely. occasionally you do. Yes. And aren't they wonderful? Yes. And I think I, I wonder if in childhood that happens more um more often in the study of childhood. Gosh, there's a there's a question we need a day to think about. Yeah. Um You've got uh, ten seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I, you know, I mean I think we are we live in a world of helicopter parenting now. And I think if we were to compare um you say the early modern period, which we were talking about there. I think that you know children would have had much great a much greater de- degree of freedom. Yeah, yeah. To sort of and would have had to grow. Certainly, children lower down the social scale would have had to grow up much quick, much more quickly, much more engaged in in work. They're not going to school right on a regular basis. Lots of them are, are homeschooled. Some of them don't go to school. They're they're illiterate. Um, this comes back to know, my point about trust and, and innocence as well, doesn't it? Because people become streetwise a lot earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, there's a whole, you know, I mean, the, the history of childhood is incredibly sort of varied and complex. And if you look at the, if you think about it over a child's life cycle, you know, there are all kinds of aspects that you need to to sort of take into account. There's there's sort of childbirth, then then child rearing and upbringing, the sort of sort of early children. Then there's education. Yeah. Um, and how you how you sort of bring up a child and how you how you actually think about a child you know in the medieval world uh children were innately evil born with sin um mm. by by the time we get into the sort of 16th century with the sort of rise of humanism they're sort of more of a sort of neutral figure so they're they're sort of a blank canvas and then you know into the enlightenment they're seen as you know much more much more good and innocent, but that kind of idea of childhood innocence yeah. has changed. You talked about earlier on has changed over time. I'm going to China next week, and I'm oh. going to be doing some stuff on Confucianism. Oh, so it's sort of early Chinese religions. What does he say about? I don't know, but I want to find Chinese. out. If anyone knows, let me know. Good, hmm. excellent. Um, back to my games. I am a yes. silly, silly person okay. at heart. No, no, games are good. Um, and you all need to know about this, basically. This is just one of the coolest paintings ever made. It's by Peter Bruegel the Elder, Brilliant. and it's called Children's Games, and it was made in 1560. So Peter Bruegel was one of sort of the most famous Dutch Flemish uh, artists of the Dutch and Flemish Renaissance. Yeah, um, he didn't quite um, 
coincide with Henry VII, but he certainly existed whilst Henry VIII was king, Edward VI, a little bit of Jane, Mary and Elizabeth. So if you want a kind of parallel to what's going on uh, in England, then it's basically, it's it's full on Tudor stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Right. This painting is the business. It's a, um, have you got it up in front of you there or, or not? I've seen it's the front cover of Nicholas Orme's book on medieval Ah, the excellent Nicholas Orme, yeah. yes. He wrote some a great book called The Cathedral Cat. I'll bet he did. He's he's prolific. Cathedral, yeah. Um Hello Nicholas. Yeah, I'm hello. sure you don't listen to this, but <laughs> you should do. Right, this painting, it's very it, it, the colors are interesting. It's very sort of brown, isn't it? Um yeah. so you've got a busy. It's a busy busy there's so much going on I don't know where to begin. It's like at a town square, probably somewhere like Antwerp, probably Around about the 1540s, I'm guessing, 1550s. Um, you've got a few buildings, different types. You've got a large kind of town hall type. You've got a few merchants' houses in the background. You've got a river. You've got some trees. And then you've got uh, 200 kids. Yeah. It's kind of like the equivalent of a, of a lunchtime break. In a schoolyard. Okay, that, yes, well done. Yeah, that, so know, everyone's run outside. Everyone's run or, outside. Yeah, yeah. so that you've got about 200 kids and they are all playing games. Yeah. And they're all playing different games. So it is a, it is, it's, it's childhood games, somewhere like Antwerp, somewhere like the 1550s, preserved for eternity by one of the world's greatest artists, um, if I could put it in a sentence. And it's brilliant. <laughs> so you yeah. should all go and look at it. It's called Children's Games by Peter Bruegel. Now, What's superbly brilliant about this, I'm going to stop saying brilliant in a minute, I'm just a bit overexcited, is that historians have gone through it and identified the 80 no way. different games that are being played. There's time well spent. <laughs> well done, historians. <laughs> right. So some of them you'll know, some of them you won't. I'm not going to go through all 80. We'll go through a few of them. So and what's interesting here is that some... Are boys playing with girls? Some are boys playing with boys. Some are girls playing with girls. Some are boys playing on their own. Some are girls playing on their own. Some are teams of mixed kids playing together. So um, let's look at this list of eighty. It starts off with number one, playing with dolls. Oh. That's interesting. In this example, it's girls playing with dolls, but we also know that boys play with dolls, and that there is a kind of gendered history of that which we can explore. Um, dolls houses. Dolls houses. Um, someone's playing at mass, so they basically created a little uh, Catholic altar out yes. of sort of seashells Brilliant. and bits of sticks and stuff. Yeah. Um, someone's shooting an owl with a water gun, <laughs> which is great. Excellent. I love the fact they had water pistols then. And um, there are kids wearing masks. There are kids swing, swinging, climbing a fence. Someone doing a handstand. Rolling hoops, I see. Yeah, rolling hoops is excellent. Somersault, fence riding. That looks really good fun. So they're on a fence. Three Gosh. kids on a fence. Like, Pretending it's a horse. Pretending it's a horse. A mock wedding. So there's a little conjugation and a couple of kids getting married. Running the gauntlet, which is a very famous, not not particularly pleasant one. They're doing this running through legs. So you've got oh. eight kids lined up either side and they're kicking frantically. Oh. And someone <laughs> someone has to run Did through you ever it. play that? No. Um, but there's a, there's a note on this game. Painful but dynamic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Blind man's buff. Um, playing with birds. Making hats with twigs. Soap bubbles. Well, we've talked all about soap bubbles yes. in our podcast on the bubble. That's a brilliant. Um, um, knuckle bones. I wanted to do that, but we just haven't got enough time in our place. Sorry, space in our shed. Knuckle bones. Yeah, you, is that wraps? No. So you have... So you imagine like bones, like, like a knuckle. Yeah. Okay. When you've got, say, 10 of them. Yeah. 
Um, so one of the ways I know of doing it, you have a bouncy ball and you throw the ball up in the air, it bounces once and you have to pick up two knuckle bones and then catch the ball. Ooh. Next time you throw the ball up, it bounces once, you have to pick up three knuckle bones and it catch the ball. Ooh, okay. and, and so there are different throws. So the other ones, you have to, say, throw the knuckle bones up, they land on the back of your hand and then you have to catch them again without dropping them. Okay. It's um, All you need is a handful of like little things yep. and you can spend hours inventing... Like jumping jacks. Exactly. Yep. That's the, kind yep. of the modern way of yep. doing it. Yeah. Um, Mora is brilliant. Mora is like paper, scissors, stone. Right. But you just use your fingers. So uh, you and I do it now. So you do one hand and we go one, two, three, three. and you're going to put out none, one, two, three, okay. four, or five fingers. Okay. I will do the same. We've got to guess the number. So we okay. take it in turns to guess the number. Okay. This bet will just do it for £50. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So go one, skin. two, three, that You say a number okay. and we'll both do something on the hand. So okay. go one, two, three, two. That's four. 50 quid. That's four. No, 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 because... Oh, I didn't understand it. Oh, shut up. No, okay, none. We both did two. None then. It's my go now. So one, two, three, eight. And again. None. One, two, three, two. So that's five. Anyway, it does go on and on and on. It gets quite exciting. I don't like it. Do you not? You (laughs) feel a bit stressed? No, I much prefer wraps. Okay, uh, wraps is painful. Um, There's a pinata. There's um, people walking on stilts, leapfrog, uh, hobby horse... Anyway, it goes so on these are, and these on are sort of, and on. You know, long-standing childhood games. Yeah, one of that them, you'd see kids playing nowadays. One of them urinating with the, with the following note: technically not quite a game, but practiced often. <laughs> <laughs> well done, historians. <laughs> oh my god! Very good. I don't know who actually wrote that? Bowling, bo- there's a, someone set fire to some stuff. There's a bonfire, catching tiddlywinks. Um, did you know with tiddlywinks that the things that you flick are called winks and the things you flick them with are called a squidger? No, I no, didn't. I didn't know that. And, the, and there's a little pot, isn't there? Yes. Mush but, pot. Yeah. Anyway, there are loads. Someone's spinning a hat on a stick like you might see clowns do nowadays. Pulling hair. <laughs> Note, historian, a game or a fight? Wise words, Mr. Historian or Mrs. Historian, whoever you are. Thank you. So um, the whole purpose of me talking about this is basically to get all of you to go and look at this amazing painting. Um, it'll transform your understanding of childhood in the 1500s. Excellent. So I want to move from childhood play into the classroom and to think about education. Yep. Um, and I think this is one of the probably the easiest uh, ways to look at childhood because across across time he says in a very generalized way we have all sorts of educational manuals that deal with childhood upbringing and education um, and education starts off if we're looking at it in a, a, cross, a chronologically um, what we see is the rise and democratization of education into the 20th century which we can map onto literacy levels so you're and saying ability more, to read more kids are being educated more kids are being educated you know in yeah, are going to school being able to read and write yeah. um and we can you know we can map all of that we've got things like children's exercise book that's books that survive from the medieval period onwards yeah. which tell us a lot about you know the kinds of things that they that they did in school what i want to go, what i want to talk about is precocious children hmm. you know children who are you know, who particularly excel. And I have one favourite. Uh, Do they know that? I always assume a child has to know it's precocious. Oh, they to be know, precocious. they know okay. they're, pre- they know. Comes with a touch of arrogance. They know they're, they know they're precocious. So a little aristocratic boy, um, 1530s, uh, off in France, 
uh, a little boy called James Bassett, who is the son of Honor Lady Lyle, who's married to uh, Arthur Lord Lyle, one of the Plantagenets, who is the Lord Deputy of Calais. And we know about him because this massive correspondence uh, a collection of papers survives called the Lyle Letters, edited by Muriel St. Clair Byrne, six volumes. Uh, you can also get a tiny little abridged volume. It's a wonderful story of family life, but also um, politics in the reign of Henry VIII. It's the time of the Reformation. But within it, we've got this really nice collection of letters between a mother and son, and also uh, the mother and the tutors. So we know. So this is a boy who we know an awful lot about. We know exactly what he's being taught. We know how he's gone to, you know, he's being taught in by a French uh, master. He's being housed with different sort of um, French families. You know, all of this is basically to give him the kind of training to be a young aristocrat and courtier and somebody who then, who then goes into the church and is quite high up in, uh, you know, becomes quite high up um, uh, in in terms of his career. Um, but we have this little collection of letters between him and his mother, uh, which are just brilliant. And he, from that, you see him roughly age nine and ten, and you see him beginning to learn to write. So some of his his letters are they're really sort of formulaic, dear madam, blah 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 blah. And and he's basically like practicing these sort of different forms of politeness to her. Uh, so they're they're kind of little exercises, but there are a couple where you see this really precocious personality coming through. Um, And one of the letters he describes um, having sent his mother a pair of gloves. Uh, The gloves had to, of course, come into one of these podcasts. And he says, I will not tell you what these gloves are, but I will will describe them here um, in this letter. And he describes them in great detail because I do not trust the man who's carrying them not to steal them and replace them with other gloves. (laughs) And then he... As part of his his sort of school duty, he has to write home every so often, and he. I mean, if we if we believe some of his letters, he was treated pretty miserably at school, um, and he's forced to write these sort of nice letters to his mother, saying, you know, dear mum. I mean, although he doesn't call her dear mum, but you know, everything's everything's fine. Um, and then in one letter, he's, he he seems to have sort of snuck it out by himself. And got it sort of conveyed secretly. And he says, you know, I'm being really badly mistreated here. Um, and people are sending letters out that, you know, that without me, you know, that aren't uh, that aren't correct. Um, he says, do not believe any letter sent by me unless it is sealed with my own seal. Mm. And that will prove that it's coming from him. So you get this sort of idea of a, of a sort of, you know, of a sort of quite sort of precocious, stuck up, but also playful child. Who sort of in this sort of little you get this sort of sense of child a childhood world yeah yeah you know this sort of culture of childhood <laughs> I encourage you all to go and have a have a look at these letters they're 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 more or less modernised uh, you can read the the transcripts of them they're wonderful Where would wonderful you find them collection in the Lyle letters edited by Muriel St. Clair Byrne. Or you could read several of my books uh, where, <laughs> where well I talk done. about Stop. them in great detail. <laughs> well, um, I no, I think looking back in the past is always, it is it is a magical place. And But I think um, doing the history of childhood is particularly magical. And uh, just, unless, we've just touched on it and there are yes. so many different, different aspects child, of it. Childhood 2. 
Let's do childhood. Too. One of the things we haven't looked at um, is ch- children's relationships with parents, and particularly as children grow up, you know, and their relationships with with parents. But what have we done? We've done games. We've done innocence. We've done card tricks. We've done cons. We've, we've done, done bricks. Yeah, bricks, bricks being thrown accidents. up. Accidents. Yes, all sorts. Uh, Hamlet. It's all good. Um, if you like what you hear, I liked what I heard. I really enjoyed good. that one. Please leave us a review on iTunes. And please do, it really matters. Subscribe to the podcast and tell all of your friends. We're on Twitter. You can follow me at Dr. Sam Willis. And you can follow me at James Daybell. You can follow Histories of the Unexpected on at Unexpected Pod. We are deeply proud to be part of the excellent History Hit Network, home of Dan Snow's History Hit and other fantastic shows. You can find out more about what we've got planned in the forthcoming months, show notes, video clips and all sorts of stuff at historyhit.com forward slash unexpected and we've got our own website on its way. So thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.